0: Hello and welcome to the Right for Your Life podcast. Today I am joined by none other than, and if you've got a very long memory, you will know exactly who this is. It's the wonderful, the marvellous Manuela Boyle. Welcome, Manuela.
1: Thank you, Ian. It's been quite a while since we've had the pleasure of doing this podcast, hasn't it?
0: It has indeed. Copywriter, poet, friend.
1: Yes, hopefully. Still, <laughs> still, yes. Um, Some things never change.
0: Absolutely not. Um, So, for those of you who have no idea what we're talking about, which I suspect is quite a few of you, um, uh, you were the original podcast co-host many, many moons ago, weren't you?
1: I was, and it wasn't that long ago, but but yes, I was the original podcast co-host, and didn't we have a great time in literary terms on the uh, airwaves chatting about interesting things about writing?
0: We did. I mean, it wasn't that long ago in actual real life, in sort of years' time, maybe two years, but... I've gone crazy since then and published about 70-odd episodes. I don't know what's happened.
1: I don't know what's happened. How have you found the time, and You are just, you know, that very productive human being that just, you can't stop podcasting. You're like some sort of podcast phenomenon, in fact.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. There's no way I'm going to disagree with that. (laughs) <laughs> um,
1: a podcast panon, if that's that's uh, not quite right, but I'm I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I won't uh, try to say that again. That coinage, but you get the general idea. That's
0: the sort of magic that we need. Um, <laughs> so yes, Donna is. Um, she's away on 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 a holiday. She's in Australia doing all kinds of touristy things uh, with a with a wonderful little family. And um, and you're uh, you're very kindly stepping into the breach.
1: I am, and I, 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 I all I can say is I hope I do. An alright job.
0: You'll be absolutely
1: marvellous. I hope I do an alright job. Do you I've ste- got a little bit of stage fright. I hope it's not coming across, but I think things are going to be just fine.
0: Well, we can start by solving the problem. Do you step into a breach, or into the breach, or do you step onto the breach? You step into the breach, don't you? I
1: think you step into, into, and the breach. It's got to be the, um, what the definite the- article. What definite is- article.
0: What is the breach?
1: Is it a bit like the, the Occy, but just a bit slightly different, a different colour? <laughs>
0: Like, like the oki in Dots,
1: Or a collapsed oki, I think it might be that, actually, the bridge. It's some sort of collapsed, prolapsed oki
0: Goodness me, I had no idea.
1: That's, you know, I, that, someone told me that once, and, I, you know, it felt like the right time to repeat it.
0: No, it's well I asked you to. Yeah,
1: well, Would yeah, you appreciate it? I'm glad you brought it up.
0: So, now we've got that sorted, what are we going to talk about today? We are going to talk about, because I've been talking about it all week, Abandoning Books hmm so there is an article on the guardian about abandoning books and i recorded one of my little very meta podcasts about abandoning books because i'm about to and i have actually done it by not already ah. now um, abandoned the book i've been reading and um and i've written a post which i've posted on ianbroom.com forward slash blog um, which is about when it's okay to abandon a book, and basically my answer is it's always okay to answer a book, but a lot of people don't. So we're going to talk about that. Um, and the next thing we're going to talk about after that is um, the idea that when you when you have a fantastic idea, um, you have a brilliant brainwave. Maybe it's maybe it's, it's it's the entire plot for your new novel, in brackets in my case, or it could be just an mm. idea for any old project. Um, and then you tell someone about it because you're so excited and then all the magic is lost because they say things that you don't want to hear and then you just want to just end your entire writing career.
1: You do and poke your eyes out with teaspoons occasionally and, until you feel a bit better again.
0: It's not got that bad quite yet, but but it's worth discussing that possibility if that is going to be a possibility for me.
1: We can talk about it then. We can talk about
0: that. Um and then we're also going to briefly talk about the best-selling books of 2013 so far because the Guardian have also published a list of those things and um and g- listeners guess who's number one and we'll leave you with that thought and then tell you later on.
1: Indeed we will.
0: Crikey. So do you abandon books?
1: Do I abandon books? Um I do actually. Yes. I nearly said I was ashamed to say that I do, but I'm actually not at all ashamed, because actually um, books shouldn't be about um, an endurance session, a kind of um, an unwritten, um, unspoken rule that you can never sort of give one up, that actually you shouldn't quit a book, like you shouldn't quit a lot of things in life. Um, Books should be about pleasure, they should be about enrichment. So if you're just not getting on with the book, like you don't get on with a person or a particular pursuit, you should suck it off. There should be no shame attached. That's my personal view. What about you, Ian? What tell us about the book that you have just recently abandoned?
0: Well, I'm absolutely not going to tell you the, the, what, what the book is that I've just Why? abandoned. Why? But because it's someone that I follow on Twitter and and and, oh. and that kind of thing, and I don't and you know I don't want to. And and it's not a bad book either. It's okay. it's just and and that, and this is this is kind of. Uh, an important point i guess it's not that it's a bad book it's just mm-hmm. it's just not for me and it's yes and i'm reading it and i'm thinking i really want to finish this because uh, I, 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 I feel like i should and that kind of thing but i i'm just not enjoying it and the thing that what 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 led me to making the decision to to stop reading was basically that um i wasn't reading because of it Um, So instead of reading my book before I went to bed, because I just thought I can't be bothered with that, um, I found myself playing eight ball pool on my iPhone, and and I was fine with that. Good. (laughs) I I was fine with that for about a week.
1: Send send me a link later to that one. The App Store. I will
0: do. I'm excellent at it. Um, I have a 58% um, win ratio, which you might think doesn't sound that great, but actually... No, compar- it, it
1: doesn't sound too great. It sounds like a, a third or something, degree-wise, degree-wise. Compared, degree
0: compared to most people on 8-Ball Paul, it's actually quite good, but I noticed... on yeah, i
1: take your word for it.
0: <laughs> I noticed on 8-Ball Paul, they capture your statistics, and it said that I'd played it, and I am ashamed to say this, but i played it for 13 hours. <laughs>
1: What all in all in one sitting?
0: Not all in one sitting, but it, it, if, you know, every sort of twenty minutes before bed, I, I'm prepared to say ten minutes, perhaps while I was on the toilet, and it all adds up.
1: Um, is it a bit like the new Angry Birds for you?
0: Um, it is. I think. It, I think. I think it has gotten that way. Okay. So, you um... definitely
1: send me the link, and we we digress. <laughs> so let's let's get back onto the subject of the abandoned book. Um, obviously, you don't want to say about. You know say whose book it was and what the book was but maybe and it's interesting this idea of a book being not for you because that's certainly something that um, lots of people will have felt as readers um, and I've felt that before but what was it about this particular book that you felt sort of switched you off about it
0: I'm Um,
1: interested in this in this sort of personal response to books
0: just not interested in the subject matter whatsoever. I didn't feel right. any any particular affinity with with any of the characters, which I think is really important when you're reading fiction. Yeah, and um, it is. and uh, I just um well yeah and, and and this last thing I found myself playing eight ball pool instead of reading, and that's no way to live your life. So I just thought <laughs> this can't go on. I need to I need to, do, I need to uh, move on to another book. And you know what? I moved on to the Reluctant Fundamentalist. And I've read about 200 pages in three days. It's wow!
1: Gross. So it definitely was that the previous book. You just, it just you and it just weren't seeing eye to eye.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Um so um so it wasn't necessarily about the book being bad but although I think that is a good reason not to carry on reading a book it was more it was more about the, just the fact that it just wasn't for me and it just it just didn't I just didn't connect with with the book at all or the writing or or anything about it really and that doesn't mean it's bad sometimes you just don't mm-hmm. connect with a book and yet you feel like you still have to finish it and um and this article in in the Guardian which I'll put a link to in the show notes the the the, the author of that particular article was saying that They always finish books, and they refer to the idea of um, of whether you should abandon difficult novels. The idea of a novel being difficult, and one of the things I've said in my article is that if a book's really hard work, then I'll I'll turn off. I don't have any kind of I don't have any kind of sort of literary kind of obligation inside me that I need to, for example, finish Finnegan's Wake or something like that, and, and understand every word
1: see that's a bit different I think actually now that you sort of mention it Um, um, I think there is more of a sort of um, endurance um, uh, sense attached to um, persisting with particular very literary and very long works so your Finnegan's Wakes your Middle Marches and um, Suitable Boys I think there definitely is some sort of stamina almost literary stamina sort of attached to certain books like that and I think, I mean I know the sort of or the article's talking about sort of snobbery, and maybe I am a bit of a snob and that if I have got what I would call what I call a project book of some sort, that I will try harder to re- keep reading at it perhaps than, than a novel that may be literary fiction but maybe shorter and maybe sort of a bit more unknown. maybe I will try harder with a project book actually. Does that make me a snob?
0: No, I don't, I don't think it makes you a snob. I mean, I'm not saying that I just, if a book's in, remotely difficult to read, the night with I'll put it down and, and you know, like... I,
1: a, I think that is what you're saying, actually.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, I, I, I read literary fiction almost exclusively. That's pretty much all I read. And, um, and, and a bit of non-fiction, I suppose, when the fancy takes me.
1: Yes, yes.
0: I guess my, what my point is: some books are hmm. literary for the sake of being literary. They're kind of they're difficult for the sake of being difficult, and that's never really been my kind of book. I mean, I don't think literary fiction means difficult to read. I think it it means something different. Um, so it's not it's not necessarily about. I mean, I like the idea of a project project book that you kind of write. I'm going to I'm going to finish this. I'm going to work at it. It's a great book. It's worth my time. It's worth my effort. Um, um, I think that's that's all good and well and, and, and i do that myself but if a book is difficult and i feel like you're almost like you know so you, i can't think of any examples but where you feel like the author is just showing off almost like they're doing it mm. to uh, they're doing it to show how literary they are literary they are that's when i get a bit turned off
1: hmm. yeah i think for me and i don't know what you mean i think my tolerance for sort of formal I suppose experimentalism or um has decreased a little bit of late that could be to do with having a toddler however um and so I did I, I have been buying books a lot recently buying them thinking oh, I want to read that I want to read that this sounds great and I have been sort of dipping in and out a little bit and I have to say that I am at the moment I've abandoned quite a few books and I'm thinking is that more to do with me at this moment in time and you know how much i can read and how much energy i've got to read or is it something to do with the sort of books that i've chosen am i being a bit too led by what i what i read not in books but actually in you know online in newspapers in the sort of um arts review pages and should i just sort of take a bit more of a spontaneous chance and buy something in a bookshop and just go All right i'll i'll read this and see if i like it so i think there's it's a really interesting topic because there's lots of possible reasons we might abandon books, actually. But it's good. It's good to know that we do that. We are that you and I say, well, actually, I will put this book to one side because this whole thing of persisting with the book, yeah, it's just don't do it. Don't do it yourself. I don't get it fully, to be honest.
0: No, no, I don't either. I just think it's um, uh, it's. Uh, I mean. We, people stop, I mean, maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but I'm quite happy to stop watching a film as well if it's rubbish.
1: Yeah, me too. God, yes, God. I've walked out of the cinema loads of times. Well, <laughs> about three times, actually.
0: What have but... you walked out of the cinema to?
1: Oh, Flip, I think I walked out of the cinema out of um, Total Recall 2.
0: What were you doing there in the first place?
1: <laughs> I don't know. I was, I was probably 16 or something and it, was a, it felt like a night out, which it wasn't. Um, what about you? What have you walked out on?
0: I don't think I've ever walked out of a film. Uh, a cinema, really? Uh, Walked out of the cinema. I, but I, I'm, I think it's, this is this is incredible. I don't think I've been to the cinema for two years.
1: Come on. Honestly. And you, really? You need oh. to put that right now. You need to get down to the showroom in Sheffield and watch Pussy Riot tomorrow night. That would be my recommendation for you. That's secret, like, secretly what I'm wanting to do.
0: Well, I mean, I'd love to, but um, uh, I don't know if they'd allow the boys to go in with us, unfortunately. Well, no. <laughs>
1: they're still under one you know there's always the uh Kino bambino the uh the, the sort of bring a baby to the cinema type show that they've got hey, worth bearing they, in mind do they do that they do they do do that they the, do do that i did not know that I went yeah i went to see some ES films uh when my little un was under one it was cool
0: and are they in the cinema with you
1: they are indeed yeah
0: because in copenhagen um and we'll, we'll, we this we'll need to talk about copenhagen just to um Fill the Donner slot of our podcast.
1: I'd I'd love to talk about
0: Copenhagen. In Copenhagen, they have um, a a similar sort of thing, but you leave the baby outside. So all these all these parents dump their babies outside of the actual cinema. Come on,
1: this is some sort of parallel universe, Scandinavian universe.
0: This is Copenhagen. We also, uh, when we went over, we uh, it's it's extremely common. It's the norm, in fact, to leave your. Pushchair with your baby in it it's outside for example a coffee shop if you're if you go in for a coffee
1: what so you so but the baby presumably is within you can you can see your baby in your pram from where you're sat i take it
0: i made sure that i could but frequently they they wouldn't over there that's not necessarily a prerequisite of this leaving the baby outside situation
1: holy kai that is some crazy ass mad european living that
0: and no one no one steals babies in, in the words of thank
1: God, thank God.
0: In the words of um, my marvelous uh, brother-in-law, uh, Morton. Um, yeah. The last time anyone stole a baby was 1971, and she was crazy.
1: Well, for that we are happy and glad, and we and I also breathe a sigh of relief that if I go to Copenhagen one day, which I would dearly love to, that I will probably choose larger than average size cafe so i can bring my child in with me <laughs> i
0: know that's i would, <laughs> that's it was, just me it that's was, just it, me <laughs> it was extremely it was extremely different to get my head around it um yes but anyway so <laughs> glad we got that sorted as well
1: <laughs> i am too
0: so we're basically saying that it's perfectly all right to abandon a book
1: Yes, but not a baby, unless you're in Copenhagen.
0: Yes. I mean, that's just a good message for everyone to end that segment, don't it, it
1: is. I'm, I'm glad that we came up with that message in the end, actually. It's a bit like a public information
0: podcast. Indeed. So, um, speaking of uh, public information podcasts, mm. let's, let's tell people what were the best selling books of two thousand
1: thirteen yes well back to the Guardian because they're so good at this sort of thing to be honest their books pages are very informative um, and they've had an article um just recently about, um yes the um, the bestseller list for the first half of the year mm. in the UK and as what do you think what do you think it says about us as a nation Ian? what do you what do you think the the, the older uh, motifs and uh, tropes are what's what's on our minds as across the uk in the first half of the year any (laughs) any idea i
0: think it says that we like what we know and we know what we like
1: i think it 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 really does say that and on our mind this year so far has been diets and crime who would have thought who would have thought so dan bryan no surprise there comes in as number one with his new novel inferno um and we've got the fast diet on there, number two, which is a sort of bit of a craze that's been sweeping the nation. Fast for two days and stuff yourself in five. You know, it It, work, it seems to work apparently. Really? Um, apparently so. I've tried it myself and, you know, it's. I think there are some benefits, but it is sweeping the nation. Um, there's not any real sort of big... Um, non-fiction books are on there in terms of sort of bio- biographies, mm. which is interesting because normally that is something that um, seems to sort of be very popular, to be honest. Um so, yeah, it's, it's, the, the list seems to be a bit of a combination between, um, diet books, the odd, interesting piece of literary fiction, and then your blockbuster. So, I don't know if that's saying anything particular about us as a nation in the first half of the year, or, I mean, I suppose the interesting thing would be to compare to the second half of the year or compare it to a list from a couple of years ago to see whether broadly our tastes as a nation change. But um, it is unusual that there's no biography on there because usually bi- biographies are something that sell well, perhaps.
0: Um, it's a um, the, um, the couple of film adaptations. So Life of Pi is at number seven, yeah. the, the Hobbit at number nine. You would think that everyone who was going to buy those books had already bought them, especially The Hobbit, but um, obviously not. And I suppose, you know, people coming to those things new, which is Fine, um, and, and and the other thing that uh, that I thought that was was interesting about this, yeah. it, or, or to look out for, is whether there will be whether this will change when the Booker Prize is announced. So, whether whatever wins the Booker, I don't Indeed. know if they I don't know if they usually get into this list. but Perhaps they don't. I don't know. Maybe not. Um,
1: I would expect the winner to get into it. I would have thought. I know then often if there's sort of runners and risers that get really good write-ups and, you know, go a bit viral, just Mm. to make some metaphors, that you would expect to see a few of those in there. But um, something that does interest me is sort of this kind of recent taste for sci-fi fantasy sort of um and the um Gone Girl is something I haven't read and I really do want to have a have a bit of a read of that because I've heard good things about it um I don't know if it's sort of this year's Hunger Games um but that's something I'd be interested in I also see Eloise by Judy, Judy Finnegan on there which is intriguing I've got I had no idea that Judy Finnegan had written a novel had you um
0: I did know that she'd written a novel I don't even think it's a first am I allowed to do my joke on air the one that I did before we started recording
1: it would be childish of me to say no.
0: The best thing about Judy Finnegan's books is that when you finish, you want to begin again.
1: <laughs> it was actually funny a second time. I can't believe I
0: laughed. I <laughs> You didn't laugh the first time. Did I not? <laughs> no.
1: I'm putting it on for the air, then, obviously, aren't I?
0: <laughs> I think so.
1: <laughs> I'm interested as to whether it's actually based on the the Damned's, uh the Damned song, Eloise. But uh, that's maybe something that we could um, email Judy through to her agent and see if she responds.
0: Let's See what she says. Yeah. Um, so,
1: it, yeah, I mean, it, it's a, it's. I think I actually think it's a weird list, to be honest. I do think it's a bit weird. I think. On the plus side, perhaps we are losing the taste for books that are written about celebrities' crazy lives, which is no bad thing. Perhaps the taste for Misery Lit is waning, again, something I would welcome. The sort of, yeah, but the diet and literary fiction mix. So everyone's obviously wanting to um, to get a bit healthy, um, improve their lifestyles, have a bit of sort of fantastical escape, but also... Um, you know, get a bit smart with what they read and get educated. That sounds like a pretty good state of the nation, you know, (laughs) in in terms of uh, where we are in July 2013. I don't have too much to complain about that.
0: Well, I wonder how much of this, because a lot of these look familiar to me, um, because I've seen them on the Amazon homepage at some point over the course of the last um, six months. So um, I suspect that a lot of it is to do with what they decided were going to be the ones that they wanted to pop there. But um, that's me being very cynical, isn't it?
1: Well, I think it's got a may have something to do with it but it, then we get into the sort of area of high high books do get onto that the bestseller list and I imagine they get on it in lots of different ways but certainly the weight of big publishers and um PR machine um of sort of publishers that's got a lot to do with it but I also like to think because I'm a bit of a sort of uh, silly old romantic sometimes that there are that you've got those runaway successes that that sort of cross over that, you know, go from the indie to mainstream that become big hits. And I wonder whether um the book about this sort of the older chap, Harold, what's that now? I've bought it for someone. Um, I've not read it myself. Unlike- oh, yes. The Unlikely Pilgrimage of Harold Fry. I yeah. That was a debut novel, I think, wasn't it? I wonder whether that was something that was a bit of a, um, a word of mouth, um, mm. viral, viral novel that sort of started small and grew big. And, you know, the, there is always a story like that on the list. And those are the stories that we all like to, to read about um, outside of the pages of novels.
0: Indeed. So, speaking of novels, to mm. our final topic. I'm um, in the process of writing my second novel.
1: Are you, Ian? That sounds very <laughs> interesting indeed.
0: <laughs> indeed, it is, I hope. Uh, I hope it will be. But one of the things that I've, one of the mistakes I've made, I think, mm-hmm. and I've made it more than once, so I don't know why I keep doing this, because I get excited, is that I, I've shared my idea way too early. Um, and it's led me to really question. The idea, whether okay. it's the right thing to do, yep. and I, I've shared it before. Really, I've, I've even explored it, or even started writing about it. Some of the ideas, mm. um, and 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 I think it's a mistake that writers make. And I think it's, um, I think it's something that it's very difficult to stop. And I don't really know how I'm going to stop doing it because. Uh, I guess it's a double-edged sword. On one, on one hand, if you get really excited about an idea you've had and then you share it to a group of friends or family, and they all kind of give you your give, uh, inevitably give you an opinion. None of them just go, "Well, oh, that's that's great. Well, good luck with it." They just, you know, they say, "Well, that's you know, maybe you should try mm-hmm. this or maybe you should try that or are you sure about that? That sounds not quite right." And then you say things like, "Well, obviously, when it's written, it'll be a bit different. Or I'll make, or, and I'll make sure that that won't end up like that." And you just end up, and then you're thinking, "Oh, oh, I've completely." Maybe I shouldn't be doing this. Maybe this was a bad idea. And before you know it, you're in kind of you're in dire straits, like Mark Knopfler. And, um, and, As uh,
1: opposed to being together in Electric Dreams, which would be
0: better, <laughs> sort of. It would. There was a Sorry,
1: game. that was a bad. That was a, I was trying to match your pop reference with another one, and it didn't work. It didn't work. It didn't work. Well, Let's I'm, move on. Quick, quick, quick. Can I just say, are you referring to what happened in Fusion Cafe about three weeks ago?
0: <laughs> no, I'm not actually. Although that was. Um, but, but I was, Did that I was, get you thinking? No, no, but I... I, also I, I, listeners, I met up with Manuela and a couple of friends and I told them an idea for a book. But actually, I was I uh, I was, I was telling you, if I remember rightly, I was telling you about this exact topic, the fact that I told someone else about it. Yes, it you were. Off. Um, but then I just went on to tell you the idea anyway, like an idiot.
1: And then probably thought afterwards, what have I done? What have I done? They said things to me. They didn't like it. They didn't like it. Um, no, I'm joking. There was a serious... Topic of conversation here, actually. Writing obviously is a very solitary act in it in itself, um, but the fruits of that act is something that is extremely so, it's very social, it's shared, it's the ultimate in sort of shared experiences, writing something that readers and hundreds of thousands, millions of readers may enjoy. So it's a really weird one because, yes, you've got to hold yourself up and you've got to be in your own head and create the inside of other people's heads and the inside of, of, of other people's worlds in order to produce this a story, this a novel, um, an amazing tale. Um, but it's a burden to carry around that idea without asking for feedback for input. We we share every, we share most things in life. The only thing that you really keep to yourself, I think, are terrible dark secrets. So it's so hard to not ask for um, input on an idea that you have that is ultimately going to be something that it, that you socialise among among your readers.
0: It's true, and I, I think I think I think I just I think I just revealed the ideas a bit too early before i'd really formed them properly in my head before i really knew myself whether i thought they were they were the right ideas um and and before i and, and i think importantly before i'd actually put anything really to um, down on, on paper. So uh, it would have been better to say, look, I've had this great idea, I've written 10,000 mm-hmm. words, um, uh, and I think it's going to be good. And then any any sort of feedback or comments, then you can kind of, you have something to relate to. It's not just an idea. You actually, well, I, what, you know, if someone says, well, I, I think that won't work, you can say, well, yeah, I've thought of that. And in, my, in the 10,000 words I've already written, I've dealt with that and that's fine. Rather than go, actually, um, maybe, maybe I won't be able to, maybe I won't be able to deal with that in the way that I need to. So but I think what- it's...
1: What did you find off putting about about sort of having shared the idea? what was it that, that sort of you didn't like about it or that didn't work for you?
0: Well, it's happened a couple of times. I told one mm. person an idea during an interview, and they were utterly yeah. horrified because they, <laughs> by, because it was a very because it was, it's was quite a, a traumatic event happens would, would happen in the book if that was what it ends up being. Mm. Um, Why does then, that not
1: surprise me <laughs>
0: and then um, uh, and then another occasion. I mentioned this on the podcast with Dora the last week or the week before. Yeah. it caused more or less a riot in my in, in my uh, in my what's the what's the word for um, uh, for, for not not family home but in-laws home. I don't know what um, the word is. Is there a word? Yeah, for that? there should
1: there should be there should be a word. Extended family home.
0: That'll do me. And so we all alternative
1: went, family seat.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, And so so that that happened and. um, and I don't know. I think I like I say. I think it's not the, not the idea of sharing something. I think it's important that we all, as writers, do share our ideas before we get way way too far into them, um, and there's no turning back. But but also get, have some substance behind it. Get something written down before before you actually start sharing it. with.
1: Yeah. You. Well, maybe I think you're right, actually, because I think maybe you've got a, a duty to defend your idea to the characters that you are just creating, to the world you're just conjuring up, to the sort of storylines that you're sort of um, thinking through. You've got a duty to defend them um, because they're they're coming into being in a weird sort of a way. Um, so you, you need to sort of understand them before you can sort of actually defend any criticism of them in a sort of odd way. But I mean yeah it is hard though isn't it because people do love to sort of to talk about ideas in that way and tell you what they think and tell you what they think's wrong and but actually you're the one that's in charge of creating this world and it is useful um when people sort of say oh actually had you thought about this or um you know maybe the character could do this but actually when people pile in and go oh no you don't want to do that it is very dis- um off-putting and I don't but I don't know why it is such an open season when in terms of ideas and why people do pile in like that I don't really understand why that is
0: no and the other thing I guess the other thing uh, for me is that it uh, it loses its magic so so that that kind of feeling of having an idea that you really think is good and then and Mm. and then and it just feels like such a good feeling because it doesn't happen that often um, it's
1: a great feeling. Yeah.
0: So if you do share it too early, and then you get that feedback that you don't either feedback you don't want, or just a discussion that you kind of can't really control or handle, it does sort of lose the magic uh, a, little, a little bit.
1: It does. It can feel very sort of raw. It can. It's very sort of personal somehow. Mm. It is. It is very affronting, and I do know exactly what you mean because I think. I've experienced that from both sides before and perhaps when, because I think as well as that, if you are a a writer talking to another writer, as we all are um, and they sort of tell you an idea, it's so hard to bite your lip. Sometimes you want Mm. to say something and I know I've been guilty in the past of going, "Hmm, but what about his motivation and how does that stack up with that? And that's not believable or that dialogue's whack. I might not have said that, but I might have have said something very like that. Um, And then, not been able to understand why the other person wasn't sort of welcoming of my feedback but actually it's because at that early stage of perhaps of you being with your new idea you it it is like the sort of honeymoon phase perhaps of a relationship or a friendship or whatever you want to sort of you get have a lot of good feeling and you want to sort of enjoy that and you need that in order to make it work and then when you get further into the development that's when things get hard and they get di- difficult and you have to make things add up and so maybe it's something to do with just the sort of the stage you're at with the idea perhaps
0: yeah i absolutely think so i think that is that i think that is the problem i think i think the uh, the takeaway from this is is about timing it's about uh, not getting carried away mm. and and hold on to that magic for as long as possible and then share it at an appropriate moment don't just blurt it out as soon as you think you've got a good idea i think that's what i'm trying to say
1: have you still got the magic about the idea, though, for yes. the second novel? Yes, Good.
0: And, I've Good. Asked, and it's and it's more or less the same group of ideas that I've been talking about. So it's it's going to be fine.
1: It will be fine, and can I also say that um, I do remember one of the ideas, but I've completely forgotten the other
0: one. The what? Sorry, the the idea. Um,
1: yeah, because there was two ideas, wasn't there? But I, rem- I remember one of them very clearly, I think it's an excellent idea. The other one I've completely forgotten. But well, I, hopefully you won't take that personally.
0: I I think sharing it with a lot of people is the worst thing that I could possibly do. So I'll tell you I'll tell you off air.
1: <laughs> no, I'm only joking. You, I didn't I didn't mean for you to you know.
0: D- You're trying to trick enter me.
1: Into a c- <laughs> i was definitely not trying to trick you into some on air confession
0: (laughs) good okay we're going to end it there because we've gone way over our half an hour limits but um it's been a pleasure to have you back on the podcast
1: i have to say i have enjoyed it a lot it's been great to uh to have a chat and uh and sort of talk about uh, talk about these these things together
0: reading and writing imagine that where the hell can people find you on the internet
1: me me well um I am still over on Twitter from time to time um, and I'm Manuela Boyle on there, Manuela Boyle. But also um, I have finally set up a new blog after having a couple of sort of old blogs lurking about for far too long. I've got my act together and I'm sort of launching a new blog at the moment really which and it's called um mutely craving to adore um oh, dot that say that again dot com. So, it's m- sorry yes it's mutely craving to adore okay. dot wordpress.com
0: i'll put a link to that in the show notes
1: thank you catchy sure. huh
0: everyone can find it absolutely um and i'm uh, ian broom on twitter I a i n b r o m e, and you can find the blog of the podcast at com forward slash blog that's it Awesome. I just said it quickly. Um, thank you,. Thank you again.:
1: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the, the guest spot.:
0: No problem, and I shall speak to everyone soon.